Hey there, Super Sober Heroes. It's your host, Sober Steve, the podcast guy. And before we jump into today's episode, I want to take a brief moment to ask for your help to shape the future of gay A. Over the years, this podcast has grown and evolved as I've grown in my sobriety. And recently, I've been investing wild amounts of time, money, and energy to find ways to level up this podcast so it can get heard by the people who need to hear it. I want to take a brief moment to check in with all of you, though, to see what you love about the current show and what could be better as I'm growing and moving forward. In the show notes is a three to five minute survey for you to complete. I kindly ask that you pause this episode and take the time to complete it if you haven't already. You are kind enough to give me 20 to 40 minutes of your time each week when you listen to these episodes, and I want to make sure it's time well spent. So please let your voice be heard. Thanks, SoberPod, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gay A, a podcast about sobriety for the LGBT plus community and our allies. I'm your host, Steve Bennett Martin. I am an alcoholic and addict, and I am grateful for the opportunity to bring my dog, Remy, to work with me every day. Now, as of this recording, I am 739 days sober, and today we're welcoming a guest to share their experience, wisdom, and hope with you. Welcome, James. Thank you. I'm I'm excited to be here. Yes. Thank you for reaching out to me on Instagram. Why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? So I'm James Buckman, poet, actor, model, but mainly a rock and roll singer with my band Hot Apollo. And uh, yeah, I've, I kind of came around to this. I mean, I, I saw you you posting about it and I, I like what you're doing because, you know, people see, still seem surprised about the fact that you can have like an awesome life with all the like right party energy and everything, if you want, without imbibing intoxicants of any kind, you know? And so I just to see you promote that, like, especially in, in a queer space where things are at times even more hedonistic in, in, in some places in comparison to maybe like straight culture. So I just, yeah, what you're doing is so, so important. I thought I, I want to, I want to like put my voice to, to bolster that too. Excellent. Well, yeah, speaking of your music, why don't you tell us about some of your favorite hobbies or things to do in recovery? So I kind of think that I just have, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty neurodivergent and, and I, that includes a fair dose of OCD, which means that it's very easy for me to get stuck on things. So I kind of don't want, but it does mean on the other hand that like I can sort of, if I have like, I've learned how to like displace certain obsessions with other ones, you know? Mm-hmm. So having something like music or, or poetry to focus on at all times, or just, you know, like, like reading, whatever, like helps with, uh, I mean, just, yeah, having hobbies, keeping the brain busy, always like a, just a huge boon. So yeah, I'd say outside of music, poetry, as I said, like reading, also like some, some video games here and there. But, yeah, not, I don't have like a huge, like diverse talent of, of games, but I do like the ones I play. So yeah, just dancing, I think is, is another big one. Every weekend, dancing with the friends, you know, after, especially after like lockdown ended, I, I resolved to like never spend a weekend without some dancing if I could avoid it. That's awesome. And so why don't we jump into it and tell us a little bit about what your journey with alcohol or drugs was like and how you got here. So I, hmm, I don't know that many alcoholics in my personal life so i can't say whether my experience is particularly common but i can say like i've never really encountered anyone 
with with the same one. So I basically did all my drinking when I was 15. And I was, I remember being, I was, I was like a, a pretty small kid for my age. I was like, I'm tall now and I was tall in kindergarten, but between like, you know, grade school and the latter half of high school, I was a, a short kid and like pretty underweight where I was like, all my friends were really tall and they, booze is always around. They, they knew people who, who like could hook them up with it. And, and I, I did my best to keep up with them just because it was there. And I probably felt some sort of like subconscious need to like prove myself. Cause again, I was you know sort of the baby of the bunch at that point. And I kind of, I don't want to keep up with my peers. Right. So it's kind of like almost self-inflicted peer pressure in a way, which whatever high school James, not, not, not the best James. So I like, basically if there was like, I, I would like basically try to take as much as they gave me. And I, I didn't really know I was do why I was doing it, but I was doing it. And that, that had some unfortunate effects. Like for one thing, I don't have a ton of inhibitions to begin with. So it didn't really like improve my overall experience of anything. It didn't make me do things I'd be otherwise too scared to do. It just made me worse at the things I would already do. So like net negative on, you know, the whole scene. Right. Yeah. And then there was like this one time when I like wound up in hospital and I, I like, I, Apparently, I, I don't remember most of that. I've heard stories. I don't know how many of them are true. But I do remember waking up in a hospital bed with my parents, like, leering over me as, like, my stomach was being, I, I, think, I, I think I had to get a stomach pump or something to, like, uh, of, like drain me of potential alcohol poisoning. Something like that. I, I like, I don't know. As long as it was in high school, and I was like semi-conscious, so I just, I just remember trying to come up with some cover to explain why I has why I had alcohol poisoning. The next thing I remember is waking up on the following evening with my brother in the living room, and he just said, "James, it's like just so you know, it's like seven thirty at night. Mom and Dad are at a party, but they're really mad at you." And uh, eventually, after after some experiences like that, some some like actually some like parties that were just like ruined by uh, you know my inability to really do any sort of moderation, I I, I came to the epiphany that I, I didn't really have the potential to have anything in my life improved by alcohol or really any intoxicating substance in, in any way. I just like my mind is already in. A, the kind of weird state I like and nothing I experimented with seemed to improve on that in any way. Besides which I don't really have the natural ability to go halfway on anything. Like if I'm, if I'm putting, if I'm, if I'm bringing something into my life, I, I tend to do it to the highest degree. And if it's not in my life, it's, it's like, I might even have a bit of it. So like, and, and alcohol was possibly the first example of that. Like I, I, I never knew how it meant to like drink moderately or just, you know, have a tipple here and there. Like it was, it was something like 
I, I tried, and when I tried anything, I, I go all the way and thought, you know what? If I'm not gonna do this to the extreme, which no one should, then I, I sh- then I didn't want to do it at all. So that was about how I, I, I came about sobriety, and I, I did so when I was 15. So yeah, I, I don't know. I've, I've sp- spoken to a lot of people. Is that is that any sort of common experience? Or uh... I, I mean, I've he- I've heard it before, especially from younger people in in the rooms that you know. If you realize, like some of us go through a lot, in hindsight, I realized it was a problem right from the beginning, but it took me years and years and years for me to realize and get to that point where I could see the hindsight. But I, I can certainly applaud the people. And I've talked to a lot of people in like different rooms and different recovery stages that figured it out much younger. And I think that's it's also because a lot of times, like nowadays, it seems like finding communities like that you wouldn't normally find in your own backyard are a lot easier to connect like with other sober individuals and have like a kind of sober community. I mean, what's it been like for you getting sober, deciding to be sober so young? What's it been like going through, you know, the twenties and like your experience where a lot of your peers might still be drinking heavily or have things centered around alcohol. So honestly, I think I'm, I'm lucky because I'm just like intensely stubborn. So if I decide to do something or not do something, I'm, I'm pretty impossible to sway. And like, honestly, even now people like it, it's too easy for people to forget, forget that I'm sober. So I'm constantly just like being, and also I have like, you know, very like nice, you know, supportive friends. So I'm, I'm constantly being offered like drinks, like whenever, like I'm, I'm with people just cause they're you know trying to be nice and like inviting. And I just have to constantly remind them. Yeah, no, I, I don't drink. But it's not really a drain on me. It's just like it's it's almost kind of funny. So yeah, just I, I don't I don't I have I think I have like maybe like two or three sober friends. I have a lot of people who like in my life who don't like really drink that much, but they'll have like you know, a sip or whatever here and there. But it does mean so yeah, there's that. It it does it hasn't really affected like my life firsthand that much, but I think it's given me a bit of perspective and a slightly greater ability to help other people in my life who are for various reasons starting to decrease or completely remove alcohol and or other intoxicants from their lives. And like a lot of them like don't know many or any sober people. And so I, I feel you know privileged to be that sober voice in in their lives to offer like my support because you know it is in most cases not the easiest thing to do alone. So having someone who's going to be there with you emotionally and in a lot of cases at you know events and stuff physically to to you know foster your resolve is always like needed. Yeah, and uh, so I, you know, in the absence of other people, I, I, I could be there for for my friends to help them on on whatever journey they're on. Yeah, and how would you feel that like both your sobriety and like the other things that you you deal with have like changed the way that you interact or maybe navigate the with your sexual or gender identity? Like, how do you feel like that's affected your drinking or recovery? I don't know. I would say probably not at all. Also, in the in the in the time during which I was like making the decision to just cut off alcohol, I was going through a whole mess of 
other like mental stuff. And that was almost a sort of distraction. It, it like my mind was already like occupied with that. So in a way that simplified things because the rest of my life was like too complicated. But yeah, I, I, I can't honestly, well, I will say this. I was, oh, huh. I was going to say I was almost completely virginal by the time I quit alcohol. I was a bit of a late bloomer, but due to like, I, I don't know if you want like a, you know, trigger warning for mm-hmm. things that might lean against sexual assault. But on one of the last times, maybe the last time I got drunk, I kind of got molested. Like, I, I want, I, it's a weird thing to say because like I wasn't, I was, I was like so drunk that I didn't even have like the, I wasn't, have you ever felt as though like, you're just sitting like you're 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 so gone that you're just like a semi-conscious like audience member mm-hmm. in your own head and your like body's just like like operating robotically you know mm-hmm. like you're just like proceeding on a track and you're just like sitting there and watching like you have like no control over what's happening so i'd got home from this like party at, at my friend's well it was my friend's old house that her parents had sold and then they almost didn't manage to sell it because she wrecked it so much but anyway i was getting home from this party and uh, and i was like i was in a taxi like right outside of my house i was about to be dropped off and i get a call from a friend that says hey there's an after party at, at this house you you've got to come and uh, i i'm already like maybe trying to sober up i have like a, a bottle of like water in my hand that i'm like i'm trying to drink to like slightly clear myself up but i say you know what i i at that point, I wasn't like in a in a frame of mind to say no, and and like you know, my friend just started sounded so excited to have me over there. So I said, "Hey, taxi, you know, let's actually turn around and go to this address instead." I hopped out of the car at, at the like I, you know, I well, sorry, I opened the door to the car and and see my friends and and a few people I don't know waiting for me, and one of them, this like you know, fairly diminutive girl, like immediately like hops on me and like grabs the ball of water out of my hand and then her friends say you know that's not vodka right that's water so she tosses it away and reaches that hand right down my pants and like follows around for all. i don't know how long it was for but it, it it was a while and i'm just like i have like this is the first actual i think i'd maybe kissed like two or three people at most before so this is like my first sexual experience and I have no control over what's happening. And I don't even, like, I don't even have a picture. I, I can't even, like, remember this person. Like, apart from, like, the friends whom I already knew, I, I can't, like, see any faces or, like, remember these people at all. So, essentially, like, my first sexual experience is with this ghost. And I have, like, no say in the matter. I can't say yes or no. So, like, I don't want to call it, like, you know, full-on sexual assault or whatever because I don't want to, like, diminish, you know, what that can mean. I don't know how I would have reacted if I were sober, but yeah, I think that, and, and yeah, that was maybe not the most drunk I've ever been, but the most drunk I remember feeling. Cause as I said, I, I just, I just had no control over my body. I don't remember another experience like that. And so, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if I, I, don't, I doubt that like kind of affected anything in terms of like, developing or identifying my sexuality but it did 
not feel like a great start to that aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's, you know, because of, of alcohol. Yeah. And what kind of advice do you give people when they are, you mentioned earlier, like coming to you f- about evaluating their relationship with alcohol? What, what's, what are some things you would recommend for people to do or think about? I think in most cases, when people are evaluating their relationship with alcohol, alcohol on some level, they already know what the result's going to be. Because I, 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 I'm, I'm of the opinion, in, in like basically any case, that if something is not like serving your life in some way, it probably shouldn't be a part of it. So if you're af- having to ask, do I want alcohol in my life? It's probably because some part of you knows that you don't. It's, it's clearly not doing what it's not. You're not getting out of it what you want. Or even if you are, it's net effect is negative in some other way. So I would say, give yourself enough. Like tr- trust that instinct enough to follow through on what it's telling you. Because yeah, it's, it's, you're, you're, you know, you're too good to have things in your life that, that aren't good for you. Yeah. Good advice. And do you have any favorite quotes, lyrics, any words to live by? One phrase that always stuck in my head was love and luck. Cause you know, you've got to pursue all the loves in your life, regardless of what form they take as hard as you can. And in a lot of cases, it's going to take some luck to get you there. Excellent. But it's, it's, it's always worth the journey. Perfect. And if our listeners wanted to connect with you or find more about you, you, what you do with your music, how would they find you? So I'm basically too lazy to have multiple social media accounts. So I just use my band name, Hot Apollo, on basically everything. You know, if you look for us on any, like, music platform you'll find us there spotify itunes bandcamp whatever youtube we have some music videos instagram we're there you can reach out to me on on facebook i we i do have a twitter now but the i don't even remember the 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 temporary account i'm using because the old one got hacked and i don't know if i'm gonna get it back and also i don't know if people still use twitter that much anyway but i'm pretty easy to find you can even reach me by email if that's the thing you still use hot apollo at rocknail.com but yeah james buckman Hot Apollo, it's James with the Y. Um, but yeah, search for Hot Apollo anywhere, you will find me. We even have a, our own website, hotapollo.com. So yeah, reach out to us anywhere you like, and, and you will find us. I, I can basically guarantee it. All right, excellent. I'll throw that in the show notes as well for you listeners. But thank you so much, James, for coming on. It was a pleasure getting to know you better. Likewise. And you can, listeners, head on over to our Patreon page if you want to listen to our post show where we're going to continue talking about your experiences in recovery. If you're interested in sharing your story, getting involved with the show, or just saying hi, I'm an email away at gayapodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at gayapodcast. And I'll talk to you all next Thursday. And until that time, stay sober, friends.